Greetings, Seamheads, far and wide. Welcome into another edition of the Blake Street Irregulars podcast presented by Tap 14 here on Mile High Sports. I am Casey Light, flying solo with you this Thursday, April 19th. It's a rest day for the Colorado Rockies, but there is no rest for us here at Mile High Sports, always delivering you top-notch Rockies content from the palatial offices here at 10th and Lincoln here in downtown Denver. Yes, it has been a long stretch of games for the Colorado Rockies who have played more baseball games and more road games than any team in baseball. At 11-9 overall, your Colorado Rockies sit in second place in the National League West, trailing the Arizona Diamondbacks. But the way the Rockies have managed to find themselves in that position is really quite a, a good thing uh, in many regards. But there are some concerns. We'll talk about those throughout the course of today's podcast. Again, this is the Blake Street Irregulars podcast presented by our friends at Tap 14 located at 1920 Blake Street. You hear me talk about them all the time. They have those 70 Colorado beers on tap and 100 Colorado distilled spirits. If you cannot find a beverage of your liking at Tap 14, well, then I don't know what to tell you. Really excited for a big weekend upcoming here. Colorado Rockies will host the Chicago Cubs for what is always a lively and entertaining series at Coors Field as those Chicago transplants who live here in Colorado take over Coors Field and you find Rockies fans battle to try and keep them at bay. Hope everyone is out there wearing their purple pinstripes this weekend for that three game set with the Cubs. But before we dive too heavily into those games, we want to talk about this 17 game stretch that the Rockies just wrapped up because yes, there are teams in Major League Baseball who at this point have not yet played 17 games. Meanwhile, the Colorado Rockies are coming off a string of 17 consecutive games played between April 2nd and April 18th. Yes, the Rockies had a very early off day, uh, that rare Sunday off day on April 1st. Easter, a great time to have an off day early on in the season. Got to share some uh, family time, which was great for the club. But then they had to embark on that very lengthy, lengthy 17-day stretch where they did not have a break. Rockies emerged from that stretch 10-7 and seven overall. Uh, as we mentioned, 11-9 and nine on the season, but 10-7 and seven during that 17 game stretch. Uh, the very positive thing to take away from that 17 game stretch is that they played 11 of those games on the road and finished with a very solid 8-3 and three road record over those games. We'll break down each of those series momentarily. They were 2-4 and four in their six home games. So uh, a bit of a slow home start to the Colorado Rockies. Uh, the weather certainly played a factor into that uh, in that opening series against the Atlanta Braves. Uh, but weather has been a story throughout the entire uh, early MLB season. We've seen games across baseball uh, being canceled at a near record rate. Uh, luckily, the Rockies have not yet had any cancellations, although they have played a number of games in very frigid and uh, not forgiving from a baseball standpoint uh, perspective, including some games against the Pittsburgh Pirates earlier this week that set records for coldest temperatures on the road. But let's dive in to those 17 games that the Rockies just wrapped up playing uh, and take a look at, at each of those series. The Rockies opened that stretch with four games against the San Diego Padres in San Diego uh, and took three of four from the Padres in that series to help get them back above 500 at that point in the season. The Rockies obviously opened the season with uh, a uh, three-game series with the Diamondbacks and lost their first two games before picking up a win in the finale. But they started this 17-game stretch there in San Diego. Bud Black 
his old stomping grounds. Uh, and the former Padres skipper uh, had a, a very positive showing against his club, anchored by Chad Bettis, who had uh, really the first of what was going to become many great starts. And we'll talk about Bettis and how good he's been uh, over the course of the the. Uh, early going on in this season. But uh, Bettis really helped the Rockies get off to a great start in that first game, Monday, April 2nd. Uh, helped power the Rockies to a 7-4 win in that one. Wade Davis picked up his second save on the year. The Rockies dropped their second game in that series. Uh, Kyle Freeland started that game. And, and I want to pause for just a, a little bit uh, because I want to talk about Kyle Freeland. I've selected a few players to spotlight throughout the course of this particular podcast. Guys who have really shined in the early going and then guys who we need to see more from if the Rockies are really going to take that big leap forward and and compete with both Arizona and the Dodgers who we know will come charging from the bottom of the standings where they uh, have have been in the early part of the season uh, for this National League West. Kyle Freeland has really struggled in the early going. Uh, All four of Kyle Freeland's starts have had happened during this 17-day stretch, this 17-game stretch, starting with that loss there in San Diego. Uh, Freeland so far has factored into three decisions, all of them losses. In his four starts, the Rockies have only won one game. Uh, you know, in my last podcast, I, I was trying to, you know, build up Kyle and, and, and say some positive things because I really feel like he's had a little bit of tough luck, uh, but there's there's really no dancing around the fact that he has struggled uh, at times, really, uh, throughout the course of this early going. Uh, so far, 0-3 on the season with a 585 ERA. The, the, the big concern, I think, with Kyle Freeland, he is cutting down the walks. That's been a good thing, at least for the most part, he's cutting them down. Uh, but the problem with Kyle Freeland is he's throwing a lot of pitches. So while he may not necessarily be uh, putting as many guys on base as he was last year, that was a big focus for Kyle this offseason was to cut down on the walks. Uh, he has allowed nine so far in his four starts, uh, maybe a slightly higher number than he would have liked, uh, but but still better than, than he he had been previously but the problem is Kyle Freeland is having to throw a lot of pitches and so therefore he is not getting deep into games uh in his in that first start against the San Diego Padres needed 87 pitches uh to get through 5.1 innings uh and things have really only gotten worse from there uh Kyle Freeland in his second start needed 94 pitches to get through six innings uh and then it really ballooned he needed 101 pitches uh to get through 4.2 innings against Washington that was the only game the Rockies have one that Kyle Freeland started uh, and then uh, in his final start uh, another loss uh, in fact a blowout loss that that uh, ended up this run Freeland threw 91 pitches over four plus innings pitched uh, getting blown out by the Pirates we'll, we'll touch on that one again but it all started with that loss to the Padres in the second game of this stretch. Uh, It was Freeland's first start of the season. Uh, He gave up four earned runs on five hits in that game. Uh, The big thing that really hurt Freeland in that game, gave up a couple of home runs. Uh, That would be a recurring theme for him in his first two starts. He gave up two home runs in a start against the Braves uh, in his next start. So, you know, Kyle Freeland had had an up-and-down 2017, tied for the team lead in wins with Herman Marquez. Uh, but Kyle Freeland was 11 and 11, uh, whereas Herman Marquez picked up his 11 wins and had uh, 
less than half as many losses on the season. So, you know, Kyle is a great guy. A friend of Mile High Sports has appeared on our cover. We have uh, high hopes for him and believe that he can do really great things this season. But rocky first four starts for Kyle Freeland. Uh, really want to see him try and... Uh, rebound and bounce back from that uh, because you know as that fifth starter there is the chance that he could see him you know see himself pushed back down to triple a at some point potentially if he continues to struggle or maybe moved to the bullpen to add another left-handed arm there let antonio senzatella who has started the season in the bullpen and has been pretty okay so far through the early going uh maybe slide back into a starting role but would love to see kyle freeland get back on track here in the coming weeks. Freeland will make his next start against the San Diego Padres when they come to town beginning on Monday. As we continue to roll through this schedule, these 17 days, uh, the the Rockies then uh, took on the Padres uh, in the third of the four-game series with John Gray facing Clayton Richard. Uh, Gray was really spectacular in this game, probably Gray's best start, uh, certainly his best start this season so far, uh, but definitely one of his better starts over the course of uh, the last few uh, outings that he's had, even dating back to last year. He was not particularly particularly strong down the stretch in 2017. Uh, Gray has had a lot of success against the San Diego Padres in his career. So uh, we expected a strong outing for him, especially in the pitcher's park that is Petco. He came out, picked up a 5-2 victory, beat Clayton Richard in that game, uh, and got the Rockies you know, back square and level at that point in the season, which was, which was really important for the Rockies in the early going. In the finale, Adam Adovino picked up the win there as the Rockies won 3-1. to one. Wade Davis picked up his fourth save, uh, cruising along in that one. Boy, we can talk a lot about Adam Adovino and just how outstanding he has been. He really has dialed in that uh, slider in a dominating fashion that we haven't seen. He's putting up just outstanding, uh, almost unheard of numbers uh, so far early on in the season. In fact, Adovino has three of the Rockies wins so far on the season, all of them coming in this stretch Uh, and none more important uh, than picking up that win against the Padres there on April 5th to Ensure that series victory, ensure a winning road trip to start the season. Uh, really important that the Rockies got off to a good start in that capacity and, and sort of set the tone that the Rockies were going to be able to win those tight games late. Uh, there were some questions about whether this bullpen was going to be able to step up, and and I don't think anyone really figured that Adam Adovino would be factoring in so, so prominently this early on in the season on the plus side. He has just been spectacular. Helped pick up that win there in San Diego. We turn the page then and take a look at the home opener. And we've talked about that game in depth here uh, on the Blake Street Regulars podcast presented by Tap 14. Uh, but it's worth revisiting. Uh, just a, kind of a, a spotty game for the Rockies on a lot of different levels. Second coldest game in club history at 27 degrees. The game was delayed because of that weather. Uh, just The Rockies never really seemed to find themselves in a groove. Herman Marquez really struggled early on in that game. I, I think 
it's not one of those situations where maybe necessarily the pressure of the game got to Marquez. It's just as all of the different moving pieces, it was so freezing cold. He wasn't out there wearing sleeves. I, I can't imagine uh, that he had to feel good pitching in that type of an environment. Uh, the game being pushed back. Plus, you talk about those opening day jitters, or at least those home opener jitters. That was his first start of the season. Uh, and really just you know a, a tough day all around for Herman Marquez, uh, but it was it was great to see. I mean, I'm sorry, that was not his first start. That was his first home start of the season. Uh, he did get a start there in, in Arizona uh, in Game 3, but uh, tough, tough, uh, you know, outing for Marquez in that one. Rockies dropped that one 8-3 to to Atlanta. The only win the Rockies picked up in that season came in very dramatic fashion uh, against the Braves. Wade Davis had the blown save. That was a, a really tough pill to swallow, but the Rockies came back to win in extra innings. Uh, they had the walk-off walk from Tony Walters. Adam Adovino picked up his second win there. Uh, it was nice to see the Rockies get that win in extra innings. It's the only extra inning game that they have played so far this season, but when things got a little bit tight, nice to see the Rockies pull that one out. The finale against the Braves, uh, weather finally improved and picked up a little bit, but that did not make things any better for Kyle Freeland, who took a loss. Uh, the real story in that game was that the Rockies were shut out. Uh, they did not score a run in that game. Uh, Sean Newcomb of the Atlanta Braves uh, absolutely just dazzled that day. I, and, and it sort of, although the Rockies hadn't been scoring a ton of runs, uh, again, three runs each of the three games prior to that. Uh, that was the game where you really started to think, oh my gosh, is the Rockies offense in trouble? And, and we've seen that continue to manifest itself throughout the course of this 17-game road trip where the Rockies now are the worst hitting team in the National League. Wrap your head around that, folks. The Colorado Rockies are the worst hitting team in the National League. Now, yes, they have played the bulk of their games on the road, and we know that that hitting always comes around at Coors Field. But when you look at the types of batters that they have in this lineup, they have Charlie Blackman, who's last year's reigning batting champion. They have DJ LeMahieu, who won the batting title two years ago. Nolan Arenado, who's a perennial, you know, silver slugger candidate and has led the league in home runs and RBIs in previous seasons. You have Carlos Gonzalez, who is a former batting champion. You have Ian Desmond, who has been a silver slugger at times. So there are bats in this lineup, and yet the Rockies have not been able to really put those together. I think a number of things are, are factoring into that. Charlie Blackman, as we know, has been injured, has been battling uh, a back and a uh, leg injury, the two sort of working in concert with one another and has missed some time, so throwing the lineup a little bit out of whack. Then Nolan Arenado getting himself into a, a little bit of a uh, fight with the San Diego Padres. We'll talk about that in just a moment as we turn our attention to that series. Uh, but we really saw the manifestation of these offensive struggles beginning on that Sunday against Sean Newcomb and the Atlanta Braves. Now, I will say this. Bud Black did go with a more traditional Sunday lineup, meaning he had several of his stars held out. Knowing that the Rockies were in this 17-game in 17 days stretch uh, and so you didn't see the Rockies best possible lineup put out on the field that day but still for the Rockies to be shut out at home was a harbinger of things to come throughout the remainder of this road trip where they really struggled to score runs we shift our focus now to the 
second series of the year against the San Diego Padres. That's going to be a recurring theme for the Rockies through this first month of the season, just so you know. Uh, the Rockies play the Padres uh, more than any other team in the first month of the season. In fact, they play the Padres 10 times in the first 26 games. So wrap your head around that uh, 10 times against those San Diego Padres in the first 26 games. But in the opener against the Padres on April 9th, that was a rematch of Clayton Richard against John Gray. Gray struggled in this one, uh, giving up the, the unforgivable home run to Clayton Richard, a uh, home run with runners on base, no less. Gray just really did not, he didn't struggle so much in that game as he threw a couple of bad pitches, but boy, were they poorly timed uh, in that game, uh, allowing the big home run and then sort of letting uh, to Richard and then sort of letting that inning implode on him to take that loss, uh, a very, very tough pill to swallow for the Colorado Rockies. In game two of that series, you saw a, a... a pretty decent battle uh, from the beginning uh, between Tyler Anderson, the Rockies number two, and Joey Lucchesi, the the surprising starter for the San Diego Padres. Uh, Lucchesi has been has been really, I, I, I think, uh, better than advertised uh, for San Diego. Not a whole lot expected of him early this season, but he really stumped the Rockies that day with eight strikeouts to just one walk. Tyler Anderson nearly matched that with eight strikeouts of his own. Uh, each of those pitchers allowed just two runs. Uh, Tyler Anderson's were both earned. Lucchesi's were not. Uh, but Brian Shaw, uh, just you started to see the fatigue for how often Bud Black had to use Brian Shaw. That big money middle uh, middle plus innings, or I guess uh, how how you call him. He he's the seventh eighth inning guy. He's he's on the plus side. He's not on the far back end as Wade Davis is. But Brian Shaw is your lockdown, your hold guy in the seventh and eighth innings. Uh, and he just really struggled in that game, allowed three runs on three hits in that one. They weren't, uh, it, it wasn't like he was getting hit particularly hard, uh, just didn't have his best stuff that day. And balls were finding their way through holes. And uh, Shaw ended up taking the loss in that one. So the Rockies knew they were going to lose that series heading into their getaway game against the Padres. Uh, the following day, Wednesday, April 11th, uh, when just all heck broke loose. <laughs> and uh, th- there had been some resentment building maybe between these two clubs. Uh, the previous night when the Rockies took that loss, Scott Oberg hit Manuel Margot in the ribs with a just a dead red fastball. They said post game, Oberg said it was just a, a pitch that got away from him. But the two sides exchanged a, a couple of bean balls early in that game on Wednesday afternoon. And then it just absolutely went nuclear when Luis Perdomo threw at Nolan Arenado. You've all seen the video uh, and Nolan's beautiful flowing locks as he tried to chase down the retreating Perdomo across the Coors Field infield. Uh, then going toe-to-toe with Mark McGuire, uh, even getting a little fist shake. Arenado suspended for five games. Gerardo Parra for the Rockies suspended four games for his role. Herman Marquez was fined because he, too, was involved uh, in the fracas there uh, in, in throwing it at someone. It was, it was an ugly game, but... We will say this for the Colorado Rockies. It sparked their offense. They went on to score five runs in that third inning. 
marred by that brawl. Uh, that was all the Rockies would need as they went on to win 6-4 against the Padres and at least salvage one victory to end the homestand and end that series. That really set the stage for a very successful trip to our nation's capital in taking on the Washington Nationals. This was a game that when I broke it down in the podcast leading up to it one week ago today, uh, I did not see the pitching matchups favoring the Rockies in any way, and yet, boy, did they go out and dominate in certain fashions. Chad Bettis uh, was just simply spectacular against Gio Gonzalez in the opener on the 12th of April. Rockies went on to win that game 5-1, to one, and a, a big part of that uh, game had to be DJ LeMayhew. So let's pause for just a quick moment and, and talk about a player who has been simply spectacular for the Rockies early on in the season, and that's DJ LeMayhew. He's hitting 308 on the season. He has already hit five home runs, and to give you some context, he hit just eight home runs all of last year. His career high is 11. So now, through 20 games, DJ LeMayhew has already five home runs. He hit two of them in this game to back Chad Bettis and that incredible outing that Bettis had that night. Uh, LeMahieu was four for five that night with two runs scored, two doubles, two home runs, and four RBI. Uh, just an outstanding night for DJ LeMahieu. Uh, to give you an idea of just how hot he has been over the course of those 17 games that were played consecutively, DJ is hitting 324 with a 395 on base percentage and a 574 slugging percentage. He has 22 hits over those 17 games, including five doubles and four home runs. He's got eight RBI, and he's also taken eight walks during that time. So uh, while the rest of the Rockies offense has struggled, and we'll talk about uh, some of those players that have struggled during that stretch, DJ LeMahieu is almost single-handedly keeping this team afloat, and it was no more apparent than in that 5-1 victory where Chad Bettis got the better of Gio Gonzalez, who is no slouch. Uh, Gonzalez is a great, great pitcher. And so uh, Rockies started off that seven-game road trip with a victory there in Washington in, in pretty cold temperatures. Uh, the following night, Kyle Freeland was back on the mound against Tanner Roark, uh, did not pick up the victory in that one. As I mentioned, that was the only that is the only game that Freeland has started that the Rockies have won. Talk about a nail biter. Scott Oberg picked up the win for the Rockies in that one. Uh, Colorado scored one in the fourth, one in the sixth. Uh, that book ended the one run that the Nationals put on the board. Uh, but a very, very tight game. Carlos Gonzalez had both of the Rockies RBIs in that game. He was the only Rockies player. Uh, I'm sorry, he and Gerardo Parra were the only two Rockies players to record multiple hits in that game. Uh, the Rockies absolutely shut down uh, the Nationals offense in that game. Uh, just four hits in that game, uh, yet Kyle Freeland did not earn that victory. That went to Scott Oberg. Uh, Freeland got himself into a little bit of trouble there in that fifth inning uh, and ultimately did not finish the inning uh, allowed the one run in that game but very very important victory for the Rockies to get yet another bullpen win like I said Scott Oberg picked up the win in that one Wade Davis picked up another save if you're keeping track uh, he is registering quite a few we'll talk about that as we hit uh, our final 
series against the Pirates. Uh, the Rockies did drop the Saturday game to Max Scherzer. It was a uh, matchup that, boy, it, it gave you a taste of, of you know, what might be a really good pitching matchup in the playoffs should the Rockies and the Nationals both find themselves in a playoff division series or even a championship series. You had John Gray facing Max Scherzer. Scherzer gave up a two-run home run to Charlie Blackman in the first inning and then simply dominated the Colorado Rockies, shutting down 20 batters in a row in that game. Gray matched Scherzer almost pitch for pitch in that game up until the sixth inning when things started to break down for John Gray. Uh, look, Gray was as good as Scherzer through five, but in that sixth inning, wheels started to fall off. Uh, Gray struck out six, walked one, but gave up eight hits and five earned runs. Four of those coming in that sixth inning. Uh, there was no coming back against Max Scherzer in that game. The lone victory that the Nationals picked up in that game. Then in the finale on Sunday, another solid pitching matchup that would be decided by the bullpens. That one saw Tyler Anderson square off against Steven Strasburg. Anderson, who certainly is is not of the same caliber as Strasburg, but can have those days. Uh, he has those games where he can come in and shut you down. Uh, he matched Strasburg very well. Strasburg was not at his best by any means, but this one came down to the bullpen in a 6-5 Rockies win. Sean Doolittle. Sean Doolittle took the loss for the Nationals. And the hero of the game was a former national in Ian Desmond. Desi hurting his old team with a solo shot. Uh, Ian Desmond had just one hit in the entire series before that top of the ninth 3-2, two-out home run that he sent to dead center uh, to reclaim the lead for the Colorado Rockies and set up Wade Davis to come in and earn yet another save. Uh, but Desmond is has really struggled uh, through this 17-game stretch. He has played in 16 of those 17 games. Uh, Desi opened the season, his first four games, hitting 400, uh, including that first game in San Diego that we go all the way back to on April 2nd that we started talking about in this series. He was hitting 400 to start the season. Since that time, he has regressed. His overall average has dropped to 162. And in the 16 games that he has played over that 17-game stretch. He is hitting just 121 with only seven hits in 58 at-bats. Three of those seven hits are home runs. Uh, we know that Desi has been tinkering with that swing, uh, but boy, the strikeouts are really starting to pile up for Ian Desmond. 19 of those in 58 at-bats over those 16 games. So Ian Desmond... Probably one of the biggest single swings uh, of the entire 17-game stretch with that home run off of Doolittle to deliver that win in the finale. But, boy, it really... You have to be concerned with where Desmond is 
uh, at this point in the season, hitting just 121. Uh, you know, I mentioned in the last podcast, I think some of that has to do with the lack of consistency that he has had. Uh, he's been moved around positions. He's started at first base. He's played in left field. Uh, Bud Black seems to maybe have, have zeroed in on that and has put him back at first base pretty consistently. But if you look at when he really started to fall off, he played his first four games at at first base, then two in left field, then two at first base, then three in left field. Then he was a pinch hitter and then came in, in uh, and then stayed in in left field, then played two games in center field uh, there in Washington while Charlie Blackman was injured. He played a game at first base, then he split time at first base in left field. Now for the last three games, he has played first base. So Ian Desmond has been moved around a lot. One of the themes that we've talked about over and over with Ian Desmond is finding some of that consistency for him. He likes to know where he's going to be day in and day out. Clearly, I think that's affecting him on top of that revised swing that he's been working on, trying to get a little bit more power and trying to pull the ball. Uh, We'd love to see Desi come around because he's such a good guy and such a friend to Mile High Sports and to the Blake Street Irregulars podcast. But boy, hitting 121, it's really making things tough on Bud Black to keep him in the lineup. That wraps up the Washington series, a very successful 3-1 and record against a team that most people expect to be fighting for that National League East crown uh, against the Mets, who have proven to be very, very good so far in the early going this season. Cooled off a little bit of late, uh, but boy, did they start out hot. Obviously, they've got their own outstanding pitching tandem with Noah Syndergaard and Jacob deGrom. Can go toe-to-toe with Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg, but it was great to see the Rockies come out and, and take three of four in Washington, where they have been pretty okay through the years but boy they looked really good especially winning those close games when the hitting just was not there Rockies then went into Pittsburgh where they played the Pirates in three very very cold games Uh, 36 degrees first pitch temperature on Monday 34 degrees on Tuesday and then for the day game Temps climbed all the way up to a balmy mid-40s in that one. Uh, Rockies opened with a 6-2 victory by Herman Marquez. Uh, He was very, very solid in that one. Uh, Rockies put together a a nice combined effort in that game. Got on the board early uh, thanks to a... RBI double by Chris Iannetta in the top of the first... Charlie Blackman drove Ionetta in later that inning, so the Rockies jumped out to an early 2-0 lead in that one, and that was really the key in the Rockies' two victories over the Pirates in this series. They scored in the first inning, setting the tone, putting the Pirates behind before they even had a bat in their hand. Uh, solid 6-2 victory top to bottom for the Colorado Rockies. Did not have to call on Wade Davis in that one. Always important when you can do that. Rockies followed that game with yet another outstanding start from Chad Bettis, who has just been outstanding this season. Uh, arguably the the best, the, probably the second best outing of Chad Bettis's career. He had a nine nothing, uh, sorry, a nine inning complete game shutout against the Giants back in 2016 in September of that year. Uh, but in this one, Chad Bettis went seven innings pitched. Did not allow a run. Um, 7.1 innings pitched. Pitched into the eighth inning uh, before Bud Black called on Brian Shaw, who pitched uh, a portion of that inning. Jake McGee pitched uh, the final out for that inning to help uh, keep a clean uh, bill of health for Chad Bettis. Uh, 
in that game. Bettis only struck out three, walked two in that game, but was very, very efficient. Only 85 pitches to get through 7.1 innings pitched and those five hits allowed. Uh, Just a, a really an outstanding effort by Chad Bettis. Wade Davis earned his eighth save in that game. That at that at that point put him atop the NL leaderboard in that category. Eight saves in nine appearances. A great, great start for Wade Davis. He has 7.1 innings pitched on the season. He's allowed only two runs. The two runs that he did allow, uh, one was in a victory uh, against the Padres back on April 5th, uh, and then he had the blown save against the Atlanta Braves uh, on April 7th. That was kind of the only real blemish on Wade Davis's resume so far this season. But boy, what to say about Chad Bettis so far in the early going. He has been the Rockies' best pitcher without a doubt here in 2018. He is 3-0 with a 1.44 ERA. He's got a 15 strikeouts, so a small strikeout number considering he's got the 25 innings pitch, but his whip is just 1.08. Bettis has just simply been outstanding so far this season. Uh, He has been unafraid to go up against some tough pitchers uh like i mentioned that game where he went toe-to-toe with gio gonzalez and and really just gave uh washington's number three a a run for his money but boy a a, you liked to see uh that outing from chad bettis uh followed up by such a strong one there in pittsburgh to secure the series win at a bare minimum and give them a chance for the sweep uh Sad note for the Rockies as they finished out that 17-game span uh, with Kyle Freeland really getting knocked around uh, pretty bad there on Wednesday. Uh, Freeland again throwing a lot of pitches. He gave up five of the 10 runs Colorado allowed. That is the most runs they've allowed this season. Mike Dunn struggled in relief as well, giving up uh, a a number of runs late in the game. uh, Three to be exact. Scott Oberg allowed two runs over his two innings pitched. So uh, you kind of of throw that game away to a degree. It was a getaway day. Rockies have been playing for 17 straight days. Uh, Bud Black tried not to read too much into it, he said, after the game. Would have liked to have picked up that victory. Would have been really nice to have gone nine and two on that road trip uh, or on the road over those 17 games. But hey, you you can't win them all. Uh, And certainly in a game like that against a team, Pittsburgh, that came into that series as the number one run scoring team in the National League, you knew you weren't going to hold them at bay forever. So, you know, a a real positive for the Colorado Rockies, uh, all in all those 17 games and certainly this seven game road trip that they just wrapped up. Rockies, as we mentioned, 11 and 9 so far on the season, second in the National League West behind Arizona. They will welcome the Chicago Cubs for three games upcoming. Really excited for that series. Always a packed house for the Rockies when they host the Chicago Cubs. You'll have a very nice pitching matchup uh, to start things out on Friday. That is Kyle Hendricks against John Gray. Then on Saturday, you'll have Hugh Darvish facing Tyler Anderson. 
And then uh, a very, very good matchup of some young pitchers, Jose Quintana and Herman Marquez in the day game on Sunday. Encourage you to get out there to the ballpark and cheer on your Rockies. Wear lots of purple. Please keep those ivy-clad, ivy-covered Cubs fans at bay. Get loud, get crazy, and have a great Rockies weekend. We're looking forward to six in a row. They'll have the Padres for three after that. Please stop by and say hello to our good friends at Tap 14. Try out one of those 70 Colorado beers on Tap and 100 Colorado Distilled Spirits. It's a great way to pregame before you head over to the, to the stadium, and it's a great way to wrap up your night, hopefully after a Rockies victory over those Chicago Cubs. This has been the Blake Street Irregulars podcast. I am Casey Light. You can follow all of our Rockies coverage at milehighsports.com and on the brand new Mile High Sports app available in the iTunes and Android stores. This is the Blake Street Regulars podcast presented by Tap 14. We will talk to you again on Monday.